3: What a shot,
0: first OHL goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Medard has arrived here at the branch center, Is first in the
1: Western
3: Hockey League.
4: NCAA.
3: Stay, watch out, watch
2: out! UMass are national champions.
4: The NHL Draft. I am Spash and Kosa. This is Dylan Gunther of the MSN Kings. This is William Mack from ULarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. This is Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Mooseheads. Hey, it's Stones of the 2 Falls stampede. This is Paul-Bianne I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Colson Coleman from Brex Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Camel
2: Blazers. This is Wolfis from Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is The Pipeline Show.
3: Rosters for world junior teams become solidified as the tournament gets closer. The CHL gets set to play its final games before the Christmas break, as does college hockey in the NCAA. And don't look now, but COVID is back in the headlines again, affecting junior hockey. Welcome to the Pipeline Show, everybody. My name is Gee Flaming. I appreciate each and every one of you who has uh, downloaded this week's episode. I know it is a very busy time of season and stressful time of year for a lot of people as well. Uh, we're going to get through the news and notes portion of this uh, opening segment fairly quickly. I got the uh, four guests lined up And as I'm speaking with you right now, it is Friday afternoon, and I want to get this uh, baby out to everybody as soon as possible. I got a busy night because the Oil Kings are in action, so I got to get going. Uh, So this uh, opening segment, we're going to go through the news and notes at a rapid pace. Uh, Let's start with the uh, title sponsor, though. That is a Wilhawk Beef Jerky. That's W-I-L-H-A-U-K, wilhawkbeefjerky.com, the best beef jerky in Alberta. I laughed. I saw their sign uh, outside of their uh, Leduc location. You can't win friends with salad. It's a great point, and probably uh, I would suggest correct as well. Uh, But uh, you get a chance to share some beef jerky from Wilhock with uh, a couple of strangers, and you'll have lifelong buddies. If you're in Western Canada, you are able to get Wilhock beef jerky, whether you're in Alberta or not. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada – Contact the location in Leduc, and they will ship it to you. It comes vacuum-sealed and fresh and delicious. As soon as you open it, you're going to smell the aroma, the marinade, the spices. It's fantastic. I can't recommend it highly enough. WilhockBeefJerky.com Okay, let's get to the news and notes. And we usually start with the CHL's uh, top 10 ranking. Let's do that. Coming into this weekend's action, the Winnipeg Ice still holding down the number one spot. The Edmonton Oil Kings still sitting in number two. And then a little change-up. The Kingston Frontenacs are red-hot right now, uh, and they land in the number three position. The Charlottetown Islanders go up to four. Then you've got Kamloops and Everett at five and six. The Sherbrooke Phoenix are seven. North Bay, the Quebec Rampart, and the London Knights are eight, nine, and ten. And The Honourable Mentions this week go to Seattle, Gatineau, and Mississauga. Scoring leaders in the WHL, uh, no change at the top. Matthew Savoy, then Connor McLennan, then Mikey Milne, all from the Winnipeg Ice. Kyle Krinkovic is uh, tied now with uh, Jack and Smallwood. Excuse me, Jake Smallwood. Uh, he also of the Winnipeg Ice. Now, with players having left the league to go to World Junior Camps, uh, guys like Dylan Gunther, Logan Stankoven, uh, Michael Gutt has left Everett now, Pavel Novak uh, with the Kelowna Rockets, it's going to impact uh, not just those teams, but the scoring race as well. We're seeing some other players really taking steps uh, forward Riley Fiddler schultz for the Calgary Hitmen has been in uh, fuego over the last month or so. Jakob Demick with the Edmonton oilers Kings. He's about to leave to join uh, Team Slovakia, but he's been red hot here, here in uh, Edmonton. Arshti Baines with the Red Deer Rebels. Shout out to him. He's currently sitting with 35 points. And uh, also with uh, the Calgary Hitmen, Sean Chagall has been uh, lights out over the last month or so as well. So uh, lots of other guys who are stepping up. And we'll see if uh, the World Junior impacts the scoring races uh, across all of the leagues. Uh, One thing that's uh, impacted the OHL right now is COVID-19. And uh, there are some teams uh, who are suspending operations right now. The Erie Otters are on the shelf. Uh, They have been joined here recently by the Kingston Frontenacs and the Owen Sound Attack. Now, those two teams, it's just a a pair of games this weekend. uh, But the Erie Otters have uh, suspended their operations. And the Flint Firebirds. The latest team uh, who are uh, now going to be on hold, and I would assume that's until after the uh, the Christmas break. We saw that this week in uh, Montreal with the uh, Montreal Canadiens and the Philadelphia Flyers playing in front of an empty building again. And, man, I hope we don't have to get back to that. But we're seeing uh, COVID having an impact here in Major Junior. We're seeing it at the NHL level as well. A lot of teams who are, I mean, look at the Calgary Flames right now, not playing. Out in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, uh, the leading scores, and a bunch of these guys are headed off to uh, World Junior Camps as well. Uh, Félix Lafrance from uh, the Chicoutimi Saganine is taken over the number one spot. He has 47 points. Joshua Roy from the Sherbrooke Phoenix, he's next with 45. Uh, he was at Canada's camp, didn't end up making the team, and I know there was some surprise with that. Still eligible for next year, and I would have to think with uh, the season he's having, if he can continue... Uh, to produce like this, uh, he'll be on that team next year. Uh, Patrick Gay from the Charlottetown Islanders and William Dufour, who was also at Canada's camp. They both have 44 points, and Olivier Nadeau uh, with uh, Shawinigan, with 43 points. Uh, Sherbrooke and Charlottetown, the two top teams in the queue right now, but uh, it is there's still lots of parity in the league. Quebec is third. They have 38 points. They're just three points back at Charlottetown for top spot, and they're only... Eight points ahead of the BB Armada, who are sitting in 13th position. So, uh, yeah, there's a a lot of parity right now in the queue, which is exciting. The top 20 for the CJHL Junior in Canada. No change at the top. This is, I believe, six weeks in a row the Brooks Bandits have been the the number one team in the country. Also, no change at the number two and three positions, as the Summerside is two and St. Jerome. In uh the, in Quebec is number three the Trenton Golden Hawks are number four they bounced up uh four positions Longueuil goes from nine to five this week Ottawa the Junior A Senators are number six followed by Cam River Fort McMurray Timmins Estevan is ten and the back half of the top twenty you've got Red Lake Steinbach Toronto Dauphin Spruce Grove Humboldt Powassan Pickering uh, the Sioux Saint Marie and uh, Pembroke. I said, we're going to move quick, and we are in the USHL. The the top team by points are the Chicago Steel. The top team by winning percentage are the Tri-City Storm. And your leading scorer right now is uh, still Stephen Halliday from the Dubuque Fighting Saints. He's got, did I say Saints? The the Dubuque Fighting Saints, he has 38 points in just 23 games. Remember, we had him on the show about a month ago, maybe five weeks ago, as uh, he's a 19-year-old this year. Undrafted, but having a uh, terrific season after refocusing his conditioning and his off-season uh, training, uh, and it's really paid off for him having a fantastic year for Dubuque. He and uh, his teammate Connor Kurth, who is fifth in scoring, they're surrounded by Chicago Steel in the scoring race for the USHL. Meanwhile, in the in the null, by points, the top teams, it's a tie. Fairbanks and New Jersey have 41 points. Maryland right behind them with 40 but if you went by winning percentage, the top team in the NAHL, still the Amarillo Wranglers, uh, but Maryland is right behind them. Amarillo's only played 25 games. Some teams like New Jersey have played 30, so a bit of a difference there. And the top scorers in the North American Hockey League, uh, Cade Nielsen from Aberdeen in South Dakota. He has 41 points this year in just 26 outings, so terrific season for Cade Nielsen. Sliding over to the NCAA, well, the big story just breaking this weekend here is uh, Robert Morris has been reinstated, not for, obviously for this year, not even for next year, though. They're actually coming back for the 2023-24 season, uh, which surprised me a little but I'm sure there's reasons for it. and I haven't read the, the complete press release just yet, but uh, Robert Morris, the Colonials, coming back, which is good news, obviously, for everyone in that Pittsburgh area that likes to follow college hockey because you got Princeton not far away uh, and uh, Penn State, obviously, but uh, Robert Morris was a big player on the, uh, the local scene there for collegiate hockey, so that's great news. Only four games on tap in college hockey this weekend. Uh, Dartmouth is playing Merrimack and Ohio State squares off against Bowling Green. Those games are tonight, and Arizona State is playing Colorado College uh, back-to-back in Colorado tonight and tomorrow. So those are the only four games on tap here. For college hockey, next week, I, I believe they're uh, they're off uh, leading into Christmas. I'll just double-check that. Yeah, they're off until the 28th for the holiday face-off. That will be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Bowling Green against Providence. And the Badgers are taking on Yale. That's on Tuesday, the 28th. But there's a bunch of games on uh, the 29th, the 30th, 31st, and uh, January 1st and 2nd. So not a lot of rest uh, for college hockey either. as Everybody seems to take the actual Christmas uh, season off, uh, but then you get right back at it shortly after Boxing Day. Uh, lastly, the top 20 in college hockey, according to the USCHO men's poll, the uh, Minnesota State Mavericks are the number one ranked team. They got 37 first-place votes. Quinnipiac has uh, 12 first-place votes, so it's a tight race up atop the standings or the, atop the poll um, with the Minnesota State followed by Quinnipiac. Uh, Michigan is three. Western Michigan, North Dakota, Minnesota Duluth, St. Cloud, Denver, Cornell, and Notre Dame are your top 10. The back half goes like this. Minnesota, Massachusetts, Northeastern, Omaha, the Riverhawks from UMass Lowell. Then you've got Providence, Ohio State, Michigan Tech, Harvard, and Boston College coming in 20th. ProStockHockey.com. It's your online source for authentic pro stock hockey equipment, whether it's sticks, gloves, all the rest. Right now, you can uh, check out their brand new Howie's kiosk. You can get tape in bulk, grab a skate stone, fill your bag with the sweet, sweet smell of Howie's stick wax. That's what they've uh, got on their Twitter at just this hour at ProStockHockey, where you can follow them on Twitter. Tons of new pro overstock player sticks from uh, Warrior have been added to their inventory as well. New sticks from Blake Wheeler and Tyson Berry, Max Pacioretty, Sebastian Aho, and more. In the picture, I can see uh, Parise and Killhorn. And uh, check out the uh, Pro Stock Hockey app as well. They always have uh, exclusive offers through there uh, that you might have an interest in taking advantage of. So ProStockHockey.com. And lastly, of course, all my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline I just got my new shipment of uh, Troubled Monk, so I am stocked up and ready to get through the holiday season. Uh, several different ones that I haven't uh, had an opportunity to sample uh, just yet. But I have a flat of Rebels Red, which I am very excited today to tap into. It's been two two seasons, I think, since I've last had the Rebels Red, so looking forward to that. You can get yours at troubledmonk.com. And if you live between Calgary and St. Albert, including all the towns like Edmonton, you might have heard of it, uh, and Sherwood Park, Leduc, and uh, Airdrie, Red Deer, of course, Sylvan Lake, uh, Panoka, Lacombe, Olds. They're up and down Highway 2 all the time, so they can uh, have same-day free delivery right to your door as long as you're using promo code PIPELINE. That's at troubledmonk.com shop. If you get into the uh, Tapos, they've got a on hand there as well. Let them know the pipeline show saying. Today's guest list, it's a great show for you today as we uh, preview the World Junior Championship. We're going to look closely at, uh, well, I guess eight teams, seven teams this week. Here's what we're going to do. Jimmy Hamrin is a uh, Swedish-based journalist who uh, writes for EP Ringside. And obviously he is going to set the stage for Team Sweden for us. We're going to take a deep dive and look at the Swedes, how they shape up. And from there, we'll look at the host nation. Scott Wheeler from The Athletic is our guest to uh, break down Team Canada. Share what uh, his thoughts are from uh, what he saw at camp and the way Canada has been preparing here this uh, this week. From Team Canada, we'll uh, speak with Chris Peters from Daily Faceoff. And you know him. He's been a guest on this show for uh, you know over a decade now. I called on him to handle the, the field. Basically, we're going to preview the five big countries in their own individual segments. And Chris Peters is going to talk about the other five. That's going to be the Czechs, Austria, Switzerland, Slovakia, and Germany. Chris is going to handle all of that today in uh, the third guest segment. And we will uh, wrap things up with a 2022 draft spotlight. The Swift Current Broncos are in town to play a doubleheader against the Oil Kings this weekend. Perfect time to get Matthew Ward from the Broncos on the program. So we'll get to know him as well. Lots to get to. Let's start with a deep dive on Team Sweden, Jimmy Håmrein from EP Ringside. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's
2: now available, Brian Lurk. Looking to hända saker. socket, handsome here. Here goes Powell Baker. Oh, yeah, table, damn it, yeah. Oh, oh. Wow.
1: Hello guys, this is Timothy Willigran from uh, Rögle B4 in Sweden, and you're
4: listening to the Pipeline Show.
3: The Troubled Monk Brew of the Week sure is a tasty one, but what is it? Bucktooth Belgian White, a light and citrusy, flavorful beer. This Belgian White is a perfect patio pint. Try it with a freshly cut orange to brighten up your already sunny day. Poyer Comparable, Patrick Kane, knows what season to turn it on and has splashes of brilliance. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at troubledmonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing.
1: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
2: I heard about that thing on the AM radio.
3: We are back on The Pipeline Show. We'll begin this week's episode uh, looking ahead to the upcoming World Junior Championship. And of course, the program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. That is Alberta's best beef jerky. You can get it anywhere in Western Canada by ordering it directly from their website at WilhockBeefJerky.com. Uh, we are going to look at Team Sweden, and for that, we've recruited uh, one of the go-to guys covering Swedish hockey, and that would be Jimmy Homreen from uh, EP Rinkside. Uh, Jimmy, welcome to the program. First time I've had a chance to speak with you. It's great to meet you. How are things?
2: Yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me. Well, I think things are, well, it's kind of dark here, but all in all, it's, it's well. <laughs>
3: Jimmy, I'm in Canada. It's dark here as well this time of year. (laughs) We're about the same uh, amount north, aren't we? About the same?
2: Uh, Yeah, yeah, I I think so. (laughs) About the same. I'm not very strong in the geographics, but uh, something like that.
3: Yeah, I would think so. Uh, Are you making it over for the World Junior Championship here in Edmonton?
2: No, no. Uh, I won't be doing that. I'm, I think this will be uh, watching by uh, TV here at home. So Yeah,
3: well, don't feel bad. It's in my backyard, and I can't get in either right now. They're, they've really limited spaces, so uh, I'm not surprised that uh, the, you aren't able to get in uh, this year. Well, let's talk about this team, though, as uh, the Swedes always very competitive, always in the running uh, to finish on the podium. Let's start in net, and uh, I think Jesper Wahlstedt is probably the the starter for this team. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, uh, I would definitely agree with that. I think he should have been the starter last season, mm-hmm. but uh they play Hugo Aldenfeld who I think did a fine tournament, but Wolstead uh, he played I think he, he he came in versus the US and played really well and yeah, that's about all he played, I think. Or even maybe I think he got two games maybe, but uh not much and well, they lost in the quarterfinal. Mm-hmm. Maybe Walster could have done a better job there. Uh, so he's definitely the guy. Kaleklang uh I think is a, is a good goalie prospect as well. And so so I think he will be the backup and uh, Jesper Wikman plays over there. Mm-hmm almost in your backyard, right? I think he's in the Western Hockey League, I think, the third goalie.
3: That's right. He's playing for the Vancouver Giants. And I wondered, I don't think he, I don't know how many games he gets into, but because he's playing in North America, I wondered if that would give him the opportunity maybe to be the backup. Uh, but you think Klung is the backup?
2: Uh, I, I would rank them that way. Maybe, you know, because of, you know, he plays in the smaller rings. Right. Maybe they try him. Of that reason, but I also think that the reason uh, he's easy to have as a third goalie is that he lives (laughs) in Western Canada. So uh, you don't have to travel like some years, you know, they they want want, uh, to use a younger guy as the third goalie, you know, to get the experience. But I don't think, you know, in the younger groups, Sweden has that many goalie talents. So Mm. uh, this is a strong uh, goalie squad for Sweden. I think this is maybe the best, um, their best, um, positioning in this tournament, actually with Walstead as the, the star, uh, goalie.
3: Walstead last year was very good. He, he kind of tailed off as the year went on. Uh, but this year his numbers are even better than they were last year. Have you seen him take his performance to another level this year?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think he's more consistent and maybe in better shape too. Uh, but he's he's such a smart goalie, and I mean, to, to, to play in the Swedish hockey league, the way he does at his age is kind of unheard of, I, I think, you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the modern days, I think goalies uh, does not get to play on the highest level uh, as teenagers uh, very often nowadays, so he is, yeah, he's, he's very impressive, and I he writes to the occasion often as well. So he, he never really disappointed with the national team either. So I think he will definitely be the most important player for, for, for the Swedish team if they are to, to have success and uh, reach a medal.
3: Interesting. Uh, Jimmy Helmreen is my guest. He uh, writes for EP Ringside and covers Swedish hockey. Uh, we kind of I went breezed by it really quickly, but last year was it was a very difficult tournament for Sweden. All the circumstances yeah. with COVID and uh, losing a bunch of players, their coaching staff, all of that. This year, everything's pretty much normal.
2: Yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, maybe it's not as a competitive team that it, that they it used to have. Uh, I think they're in contention for medal, but maybe not like a gold con- contention team uh, i think there are some holes in the team and up front definitely uh, i think they are uh, not as deep as they used to be they have some great players up up there but uh, the the depth isn't that great this year so uh, I, I think the the expectation for this team back here in sweden is kind of modest but uh, definitely, they're they're competing and and have uh, good pieces and in, in every position.
3: Well, I know when I look at the roster, one thing that stands out to me is that uh, everybody on the back end on the blue line—they're all playing professionally. Nobody's playing junior hockey anymore, uh, and I would have to think that's a big advantage uh, for Sweden. That uh, you know, North American teams don't have that ability. Uh, the, ju- the junior players don't get to play professionally uh, all that much, so. Uh, that's one aspect that I do like about Sweden's team. Would you say that defense
2: can be a strength for this club?
3: Well, first
2: of all, I, that's, I don't think that's always uh, a benefit. I think in the long run, maybe, you know, uh, in development, I think it's good to play against senior early on and and learn that way. But the the world juniors, I think is junior hockey and, Mm. uh, you know, that North South quick game and, and i also noticed in you know in, in big games sweden you know it's been kind of famous now that they won uh, every group stage game there for many many years yeah uh, but they but they lost in the medal rounds and i think maybe when when you're early playing in senior hockey you don't really play in the big situation as much so so they they Sure, they play on professional teams, but they they are like the fifth defenseman or the fourth defenseman and the seventh defenseman on those teams. So, uh, it it could it could be both an advantage, I guess, but it can also. Uh, also not be in yeah. uh, that case because you know they're not used to to being the big guy on the, on their team they they can when they play in the senior hockey they can rely on more veteran players to 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 be their go-to guys in the important situations. so that 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 i think is uh, could be both ways i guess but yeah sweden's defense is strong as usual maybe it's not as strong as a couple of years ago you sure. know when they had had a really high upside there. But, you know, Seaman he uh, he's playing really well in Frolunda this season. Uh, big guy with skill. And Emil Andre is the big guy for HV71 in, in the second division. And he's playing big minutes there. And uh, probably one of the best defensemen in the whole league there uh, so far. So he has been really good this season. I, I would say those two are are. Or the best defenseman on paper, and Helge Grans. I haven't one, watched him a lot here uh, this season. He, he plays you know, with Ontario in the American Hockey League, but he he sh- he should have been on the team. He was a very surprising cut uh, last season, but yeah. uh, great to see him in this. I think he's a really smart uh, puck-moving defenseman who who will have a big role on this team.
3: Outside of Helgi Grans and, and uh, Simone Edvinson. It's not a very big defensive group. Uh, You mentioned Emil Andre. There's no. also uh, Victor. Sch- I'm going to p- mispronounce this name because on paper here it looks like Scholholm, but uh, you pronounce it very differently, don't you?
2: <laughs> it was very close, I would say. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, Scholholm.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, he's only five nine as well, and and Joel Nyström is is five ten. So it's a-, a bit of a smaller group.
2: Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but I think a competitive group. I think Scholholm. <laughs> As you pronounce it, yeah, he, thank he's, you. <laughs> a, he's a good defensive defenseman. He's very competitive. You know, he blocks shots and, you know, play harder, even if he's smaller. And Anton Olson, I think he's 200 pounds, uh, not not big in height, but a, mm. but a strong defenseman, play physical. So they have that side uh, on the team as well. So I don't think that's a huge issue. Uh, Jules Nystrom, uh, who is more of a puck moving defenseman. Uh, so, so he will play more in the offensive situations, and he has played power play minutes in the SHL. So, mm. uh, he will be a good defenseman too. So, all in all, sure, it's I, I think it's a uh, good defensive squad.
3: All right, uh, you mentioned the forwards, maybe not as deep as uh, most years yeah. for Sweden, but there's still some talented players up front. Uh, Alexander Holtz, William Ackland, one of those two guys going to be the the offensive leader for this team.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think those will. Those two will probably play in the first uh, line and uh, they they complement each other very well and they have played together, you know, um, from many years now in in your garden uh, when they have played there. And of course, Holse is is, uh, with the New Jersey organization now, but uh, Eklund has... Started the season in the NHL, so those two will bef- definitely be stars. But, you know, the, the weak side, I think, for Swedish team is uh, is down the middle. I think the centers are not strong this year. Um, probably Niederbach will be the top-line center. Mm-hmm. He's probably the most skilled center, anyways. But he has had a tough season. Uh, doesn't get a lot of ice time with uh, Frölunda in the SHL. Daniel Jungman. The same there. He plays regular in SHL, but doesn't play in a big role and doesn't score many points. So uh, those guys, uh, probably, you know, none of them are first-round picks. So uh, I I think the depth, uh, as I said before, is probably the weaker side of this. But it will be interesting to see, you know, uh, wingers like... Fabian, uh, Fabian Lysell, who plays in the Western Hockey League now, and mm-hmm. Isaac Rosén, uh, they both were first-round picks uh, in 2021. So it will be interesting to see what they can do here, too. So they, they need more scoring than just uh, Holtz and Eklund, and I think those two guys are, are players that can uh, give some secondary scoring as well as Sion Nybeck, who is also... A, uh, point producer uh, for, for many years, both in junior and now in Uh, uh
3: You mentioned Fabian Lassell playing in the, the Western Hockey League with the Vancouver Giants. He's uh, yeah. on the same team as uh, Jesper Wieckmann. Uh, also uh, playing over here is uh, Oscar Olesen, who's playing in the Ontario Hockey League. Yeah. What do you expect from him this year?
2: Yeah, uh, He was really good last year in the World Juniors. Yeah. And this is a smart player. He's big. He's uh, strong, you know, a good skater with a good shot and, from what I have seen from the OHL, I think he he's been scoring over a point per game, and that would be expected, I guess, for for a player of his caliber. He he was also a late first round uh, pick last season, so he's a good he's a good player. I think he will also play in in uh, a top role. Uh, he's maybe not you know like a big playmaker or anything, but but a good shot. Smart and and good skating and uh, yes Big body to that. So he will be very effective. I think uh, in this this tournament
3: now, uh, Jimmy the uh, team Sweden is playing in the B pool They'll be down in Red Deer, Alberta with the Americans the Russians. Uh, It's a tough pool Uh, Where do you see them finishing just through the the round-robin portion?
2: I, I will rank them as the third team mm-hmm. uh, there. I think the Russian team and the American team are stronger, but they they will compete, you know, f- for the first three spots. And if they can win to be uh, placed among the top two, I think the quarterfinal will be easier on paper as the, the, the other division isn't as strong on paper. So maybe that will be, be good for them, but uh, it will be exciting to see, how they can stack up against the Americans and the Russians, and maybe we shouldn't count out the the, the other two teams there either. I think uh, they have some pretty exciting players too. In I think the Slovaks are are um, uh, really strong this year. You know, they have some players who are playing with the men's national team still. Right. So that that could be a tough game too. So we'll see.
3: Yeah, that that really is a difficult pool. When it comes to the final standings, this is often a, a tournament where we say, "Oh, there's there's five countries who can probably uh, are realistically challenged for uh, a, a place in the uh, the top three with the U.S., Russia, Sweden, Canada, and Finland." And every once in a while, the Slovaks or the Czechs will will work their way into into the podium. But five of those countries are you know gold medal candidates, but th- two of them are going home without a medal at all. Yeah. This year, you think the Swedes, where would you predict that they finish this year?
2: Well, I think it depends on, you know, what quarterfinal they get. Uh, If they can uh, stay out of uh, Canada, obviously. But, you know, maybe Finland could be tough too. So, um, if they can uh, avoid any of those two teams, I think they will reach the semifinal. And, I don't know, maybe a bronze medal, but... um, I wouldn't say – if if I would rank them, you know, like 1 to 10, I right. think I would put Sweden 4 or 5. So I don't see Sweden as one of the big favorites this year. I think, I think Canada is probably the uh, huge favorite here. But uh, other than that, I think it's kind of open, you know, to to maybe the second place. And, you know, Canada's not a shared winner either. You know, it's, it's one game in a playoff round and everything can happen. But uh, – I, I would. I don't think the depth on this Swedish team as is is as strong as it uh, used to be. But you know, maybe it's good for them to 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 be kind of an underdog too. And you know, with Eklund Holtz, if they can score a lot of points, and if uh, uh, Edvinson and Grants and Andre can dominate from defense, and Wallstedt is just who he is, I think uh, <laughs> they can turn some heads too. So uh, they're up there, but. I don't see him as the uh, medal favorite uh, from the start.
3: What about the coaching staff this year? We know what happened last year and how it was kind of thrown together at the last minute. Uh, who's coaching uh, the Swedes this year? And is it were they some of the pl- the coaches that were supposed to be here last year?
2: Yeah, they're exactly the guys who should have been there last year. Uh, it's going to go this year, I hope. Yes. <laughs> I didn't have anything <laughs> else, so uh it was a really young guy called you runmark who who really inexperienced who got to be the only coach that, that went mm-hmm. so the other guys were were uh infected with covid uh i think one of them was you know he was uh really sick in covid too and the other guy just didn't have any symptoms but he couldn't go as he as they got covid in the right. the camp that year so that that was a weird year for sweden but uh, it's thomas monten i think he has been coaching now i think this is if we don't count if we count that he <laughs> coached from home yes last year he has coached now for i think his first world junior were in 2017 okay. so uh, as a head coach, he's been an assistant uh, some years before that, so he's really experienced in this type of tournaments.
3: Well, the Swedes you can always count on uh, being competitive and a, a fun team to watch. Uh, Jimmy, I really appreciate your time. What do you have coming out at EP Rinkside uh, in advance of the of the tournament?
2: Uh, I'm I'm gonna write about the Swedish team uh, this week, so it will be. I think it will be published on Friday or something like that. So. Uh, you can watch for that, and then we will, you know, keep getting out some rankings and good articles on that site. So uh, it's it's a good prospect site. So absolutely, uh, anyone who <laughs> who likes prospects should should um, uh, should check us out.
3: I'm sure most of my listeners uh, to this junior and college hockey show are are big fans of Elite Prospects and EP Ringside for sure. Jimmy, this was great. I uh, hope you don't mind if I call you again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Here's a look at Team Sweden, courtesy of Jimmy Homreen, who uh, writes for EP Rinkside. Uh, Ufe Bodin, who I've uh, always had come on the program to preview Team Sweden, uh, unable to do it this year. He recommended Jimmy, and I can see why he knows his stuff. Check him out at EP Rinkside. As we preview each team, or at least the five big teams, I'll explain that here in a second as well, I'm going, to give you, uh, I'm going to offer up my prediction. Who's going to lead that team in scoring at the World Junior Championship? And uh, for me, might not be going out on a huge limb, but I'm going to go with William Eklund. I think there's probably two or three guys you could uh, throw into that mix. Alexander Holtz probably being the, the other guy. But I'm going to go with William Eklund. Who do you think is going to lead Team Sweden in scoring at the 2022 World Junior Championship? Why don't you send that to me at TPS underscore Now, the plan is I'm going to do uh, Sweden and Canada this week. Next week, it'll be the U.S. and Russia and Finland have those uh, guests who are going to help break down those teams already locked in place. Also this week, we're going to have one guest talk about the other five teams. There are some notables. Now, it's hard to find uh, a, a guest who can handle that, but I have one. He's coming up a little bit later. I mentioned it in the first segment here as well. Uh, but up next is Canada in the spotlight with the help of a Scott Wheeler from The Athletic. He was down in Calgary, and he'll be here in Edmonton and Red Deer leading up to the tournament itself. Scott Wheeler looking at Canada. That's next here on The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. And Dallas fed hit the puck. Now Dallas spins and fires. Part of
1: whoo, skipped off his block, and it stayed out by millimeters.
4: Hey, it's Carter Hart of the Everett Silver Tips, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show.
0: Time Alberta Junior Hockey League champions, the Spruce Grove
3: Saints, are back and welcoming fans to the Grant Fuhr Arena for the 2021-22 season. A community-minded junior A hockey organization offering affordable family entertainment.
1: Tickets to big league hockey at affordable family rates range from $9 to $15 with free parking and some of the best food and drink specials in town. For more information on tickets and how you can become a partner, go to SpruceGrove Saints.ca. <sighs> You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. You
0: know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras.
3: Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show. We just uh, broke down Team Sweden. We're going to get to Canada here in this segment uh, with my guest, who's uh, Scott Wheeler from The Athletic. You we'll get to him in a minute. Uh, as a remind everybody that the Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. You go to W-I-L-H-A-U-K, Wilhawk willhawkbeefjerky.com anywhere in western canada any order any size anywhere they will ship it to you vacuum sealed They're absolutely delicious and fresh when you get it uh, willhawkbeefjerky.com i cannot possibly recommend it higher than i do it's absolutely fantastic all right let's get to uh, team canada hosting the world junior championship uh, and uh, scott wheeler is my guest from the athletic uh, scott welcome back to the program how are things
0: Things are good. I'm just uh, taking a little bit of downtime here this week. I'm back from uh, five days in Calgary for the selection camp, taking some time off here, and then I'll be jumping back on a flight out to Alberta in a few days. Uh, Well, a couple of weeks, I guess, but uh, headed back out on Boxing Day. So just uh, preparing for the World Juniors here, as always.
3: Uh, I should ask you, you got lots of content. I'm following you on Twitter, of course, as everybody should. Uh, it's at, uh, at Scott C Wheeler, as a matter of fact, on uh, Twitter. But you've got stuff coming out all the time. What do you? Ha- what's your latest at the at the athletic? And what maybe do you have coming up in the next few days?
0: Well, the latest was just kind of my giant notebook from camp there to to sort of break it all down. And then in the next few days, I've got a story coming on Elliot Gainoyer uh, on how he's become a little bit of the prototypical hockey Swiss Army knife, if you will, and has turned himself into a really valuable piece here for Team Canada and will be. In theory, a really valuable piece someday is kind of a middle six guy for for the Philadelphia Flyers, which is how they see him. So kind of walking uh, the reader through his game, spoke with people in Halifax about him as general manager there, Cam Russell and head coach Sylvain Favreau, and just sort of picking their brains about what he's like as a player, his story, where he came from. He's actually the player on this team, Canada, at least up front, who was drafted the latest. He's the only fifth round pick on the team the next uh, lowest drafted kid, if you will, on the team is, is Justin Sourdiff, who is, who is a third rounder. And then you pretty much got exclusively first rounders after that up front. So a bit of a unique story on this team, Canada, and that's, that's up next for me. And, uh, then after that story, uh, I've got a couple of stories coming on, on some of the USA hockey kids who are doing their camp this week. And I've been spending a lot of time with talking on the phone and uh, getting to know those kids as well. So, uh, lots coming.
3: All right. Well, we'll keep our eyes out uh, for that. Brett Brosh, who not drafted yet, uh, although draft eligible. So I yes. g- guess we could say that's a little lower down the list than uh, Elliot DeNoyer, but
0: uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll get taken. Yeah, and on, on defense, Ronan Seeley was a seventh rounder. I think he was the 201st pick or something like that. So, uh, yeah, just the forwards as far as Elliot goes.
3: Ah, uh, Hard to believe uh, Seeley was there that late in the draft, considering how far he's come. All right. Yep. Let's get to the uh, what you saw in camp. Anything really surprised you? I'm not. We're not talking about guys who uh, you're surprised didn't get an invite to camp. All of that conversation's already done. Let's just focus on the 25 guys who are on yep. the team and uh, and battling, I guess, for roster spots and or position rather, uh, and uh, and ice time, line combinations, stuff like that. Anything kind of surprised you with the way things have shaped up so far?
0: Uh, not really. So far, so good. The only thing that came a, kind of as a modest surprise was I was curious who, out of Shane Wright and Mason McTavish, they were going to slot uh, with the predictable combination of Cole Perfetti at left wing and Dylan Gunther at right wing. Uh, and I was a little bit surprised, I will say, that it was Shane Wright that gets that opportunity to start. Uh, I think Mason McTavish with Perfetti and Gunther would have been a really good fit. You've got his sort of heaviness on a line with Two guys who are pretty slick, Uh, certainly Gunther's got that sort of skating stride, that smooth, effortless skating stride out there. And then Perfetti doesn't quite have that dynamic quality as a skater, but certainly can play off the puck, can play on the puck, can carry it, uh, and then can make plays and and score some goals as well. So I thought the three of them would have been a natural fit, but they've got Shane Wright with those two right now, which is, I mean, he's Shane Wright. It's going to work out, but... Certainly a really great opportunity for Shane. Uh, I'm excited for him personally just to get that kind of limelight with this Team Canada. It was always going to be those two guys as the one-two punch at centre with McTavish. Uh, But to see Wright get that kind of an opportunity I think is a big deal for him, especially with this kind of, uh, I don't want to call it lazy, but this conversation that has developed that I'm not a huge fan of in terms of the top of this draft and suddenly there, there being so-called question marks about Shane Wright as the first-round pick, or the first overall pick, I should say, uh, I think he'll put those to bed in this tournament. I think he'll have an excellent tournament, and I think he'll do it surrounded by a lot of the other top prospects in this draft who are also playing. We're we're going to see Logan Cooley a top-ten pick. We're going to see Simon Nemitz a top-ten pick. We're going to see Danila Yurov with the Russians, another potential top-ten pick. Uh, so you go down the list, uh, six or seven of the sort of top 15 players in this year's draft are also going to be playing there, and I think we're going to quickly see Shane Wright relative to those players and come to the understanding that he's still a cut above. So uh, that would, that, if anything, I think was the only sort of minor surprise for me. But then on the flip side, it's it's exciting now to to get to see Shane Wright in that role.
3: Line combinations always so debatable, and well, why isn't this guy playing with that guy? And I, I did have a question. I mean, two of them are, are teammates and line mates all for the last two years in Dylan Gunther and Jake Neighbors here in Edmonton with the mm-hmm. Royal Kings, who I see all the time. And I wondered, I'm not saying I'm not criticizing or saying it's a mistake, but do you expect maybe at some point uh, that they, they see any time together? Just that familiarity uh, with each other, having been teammates and line mates for the last two seasons seemed like it would be a natural fit.
0: Yeah, I think in any other year, that would be a combination that makes a lot of sense. But this team is deepest at left wing more than any other position. And I think it was always going to be hard to slot Jake into a top six role at left wing without switching him over. There has been some discussion within Hockey Canada of switching Jake over to the right wing so that he can play inside the top six. But in either scenario, he's not playing with Dylan Gunther because if he's a righty then the, and playing on his off wing, then Dylan is the righty on the other line. And if he's uh, left wing, it's, it's just tough because of Cole Perfetti and Ken Johnson. They, they pretty clearly see Cole Perfetti and Ken Johnson as their one-two at left wing on this roster. Uh, they've actually had Elliot DeNoye and Vance Place holding for Kent Johnson, who has yet to arrive, hmm. uh, and kind of holding that that spot, if only until he arrives. So. Uh, it just felt like it was always going to be one, two, three, where you've got Perfetti as the first line left wing, Kent Johnson as the second line left wing, and then Jake Neighbors as the third line left wing. And pretty clearly, right away, you realize that that's their strongest position on this roster. So I just think they, they like Jake playing on that third line. They've got the third line as constructed right now uh, with, with Jake Neighbors, uh, Justin Sourdiff, and Wrigley and Gregg. And they clearly see those three guys as this sort of checking line. They love the energy and peskiness that Ridley Gregg brings, they love the pace and tempo and a little bit of playmaking that Justin Sourdiff brings and then they're big, big fans of Jake Neighbors and just how heavy he can be on that line and they expect that line to be all over it on the four check so uh, I'm actually very, that's probably the trio that I'm most looking forward to watching because despite being the quote-unquote third line I think they could be one of the most important pieces of the puzzle for this Team Canada as we get into the tournament here.
3: And a pretty entertaining line, too. I would think they're going to play that physical brand of hockey that uh, gets fans excited, Definitely. for sure. Uh, what about that fourth line as it as they practiced, at least? I know you mentioned Elliot Denoyer just uh, kind of being a placeholder right now. So I don't know if he factors into the, the, the line that had uh, uh, Will Cooley and Maverick Pork and Xavier Borgo on it, or if you see that trio as uh, an intact unit right now, too.
0: Well, just in talking to them for this story, I've spoken with virtually everyone at Hockey Canada for this story that I'm working on on and I think they want him on that line, which means one of those guys likely gets bumped out of the roster, at least in the early going, and and sort of joins Connor Bedard as the 13th, 14th forward types. Okay. Uh, they they also really like Will Cooley, so I suspect that Will sticks on that line, and Maverick Bork was a lock coming in, so I suspect that Maverick sticks on that line, which would naturally leave Xavier Bourgo on the outside looking in. Uh, they like Gay Noyer if only because he can play all three forward positions. He has played both wings throughout his career, and he may be the very best guy that they have in the face-off circle. So uh, I, I think that Bork will be the center j- for that line just because Bork uh, doesn't have some of that versatility, but having a second face-off guy on that line uh, for defensive zone draws and that kind of thing and having... Uh, giving Bork, if you will, the comfort level to be aggressive on draws, just knowing that if he gets kicked out, that De Noyer may even be better in the faceoff circle than he is. Uh, I, I think that's a huge asset for them. And then Cooley gives them that, that sort of heaviness that Canada wants on each of their lines. I, I think Hockey Canada has made it pretty clear that as far as those four forward groups go, they want at least one guy on each of those lines who can play a heavier style. And, and Cooley certainly fits that mold. And I actually almost worry about Cooley. We kind of joke about it in Canada here, but it just feels like someone gets suspended from team Canada every year for hitting <laughs> someone a little bit too hard. And I have seen Will Cooley in the OHL deliver some of the hardest body checks I've ever seen. So he's a guy who I think may get into trouble, not because he's a dirty player, but just because things are called a little bit differently in the IHS. But Canada likes that. They they like that presence and they're really looking for him to play that style and not change who he is. So uh, I think that's how you'll end up seeing that fourth line constructed, at least to start, and that probably leaves Borgo in the early going on the way, at, on the sort of outside looking in, if you will.
3: If they're starting a pool on who gets suspended in this tournament, I'm going with Ridley Gregg because he got suspended in Ottawa yeah. and in Brandon. Uh, so uh, I think I would be leading uh, that way. Let's go to the back end. Um, the combinations as they practiced uh, uh, a couple of days ago: Owen Power was with Olin Zellweger, Caden Gooley with uh, Lucas Cormier. Uh, Sabrango and, and uh, Lambos were together, and O'Rourke and Seely. And again, kind of like with uh, Neighbours and Gunther, I don't know if Zellweger and Seeley play at all together, maybe on the power play in Everett, but at teammates like that, uh, again, I thought maybe the, the familiarity would lean to being in a, a combination. Not the case here with Canada.
0: Yeah, and I think if Olin had played, frankly, uh, worse in camp, that you might have seen that. I think they might have penciled that in as, Sealy on the left side and Zellweger who has played a lot of his offside on the right side as kind of a third pairing or a fourth pairing kind of a thing and then Zellweger played so darn good in Calgary that it kind of changed the conversation and obviously having Dennis Williams as the as one of the assistant coaches who's the head coach for both those guys in Everett is a big deal and and part of the reason that those guys are are on the team but they they both earned it especially Zellweger and I thought that ironically enough after all of the talk in camp about how this was an older 19 year old team uh, than they than they typically bring I I honestly believe that Olin Zellweger and Carson Lambos were the two best defensemen in camp and they were the two 18 year olds and Zellweger is a very very young 18 year old at that he was one of the youngest players in last year's draft so uh, Zellweger I think has just played so well that he's almost a lock for that top four I would have thought that Lucas Cormier coming in was was the sort of clear-cut lock to play on his offside because he has also played a lot of right D, despite being a lefty. Uh, But Cormier, I thought, was kind of unimpressive in camp, and I think that's left him the one who's vulnerable if things don't go well to drop him out of out of that top four. So I fully expect that Zell Lager will play with one of Caden Gooley or Owen Power throughout this tournament. And now it's about finding which one he's going to mesh with and, and which one he's sort of going to work with. And that just speaks volumes to who he is, given his birthday, given the fact that he was one of the youngest players in last year's draft, given the fact that he's a young 18 year old on a 19 year old team predominantly. Uh, so it's, it's a big deal for Owen. He's come a long way and he's, uh, this is going to be an opportunity for him to really stake his claim as one of the better D prospects in the sport.
3: Uh, Caden Gooley comes in, just uh, traded to the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, a week before uh, camp started. Uh, we've got, had a good look at him here in Edmonton. He's such a talented player and uh, skates so well. But the only returning defenseman on the back end, uh, Owen Power, would have, should have been there last year, but the things didn't work out, obviously, with Michigan. Those two guys, just the, their veteran presence uh, with Power having played in the World Championship with the men, that, those two guys have that experience that's going to take this uh, this defensive grouping to another level from a leadership perspective. Would you agree?
0: I would absolutely agree. And I think those guys are going to be relied on, uh, on big time throughout this tournament. This roster is, I think if it does have a weakness, you would probably argue that it's on defense. Uh, Kosa and Garand and Brochu are going to give them great stability. And that all three of those goaltenders are tremendous and they as they typically do I, I would argue they have the deepest group of forwards in the tournament so if anything I think you look at this roster and you say okay outside of Owen Power and Caden Gooley, how how much can we rely on the rest of these kids to play significant minutes and that's the big question mark that I think they're going to try to solve heading through these three pre-tournament games the first two in Red Deer and then that final one in Edmonton before the tournament so Uh, I'm, I'm really going to be keying in on those two guys. I think if Canada is going to win a gold medal, that you're probably going to see Owen power playing 25 to 30 minutes a night in the games that matter. Uh, and, and, and Gouley probably won't be far behind him. So they're going to be a huge piece of the puzzle on the ice. I, I suspect that Owen power is going to be the best player in the tournament. I watched him a couple of weeks ago. I drove down to Michigan to watch him play live and he was just in a different stratosphere. He was unbelievable. It was the best I'd ever seen him play. Uh, And I think he's really going to take over this tournament. So that's huge for Canada. And then you mentioned the leadership part. And both of those guys are probably going to wear letters as well. Uh, We're expected to get the leadership group in the next few days here. And my expectation is that Caden Gooley is the most likely of the the sort of three big names to get the C. And then that probably leaves Cole Perfetti and Owen Power wearing the A's. So I think those three guys are going to be the leadership group for this team, and two of them are on the blue line, and and they're going to have to be big, big, big pieces of the puzzle if Canada is going to win gold.
3: Scott, tell me how you envision Canada using the uh, three net miners because they're all good. Dylan Garand and Sebastian Kosa, and uh, and uh, Brett Brochu with the London Knights. They're all having terrific seasons. Garand's numbers are even better than Kosa's. I know Kosa being the first round pick is. It got the more uh, the more hype as a long term NHL prospect, but how do they settle who starts and and who becomes the number one guy?
0: Well, it's ironic because I would probably argue that Brett Brochu has actually had the best season of the three of them, and yet he looks like the odds on favorite to sort of sit throughout the tournament mm-hmm. and, and just be kind of the practice goalie, the third stringer. Uh, the big part of that is Darren's obviously a returnee. He's the oldest of the three. Uh, I think that's a factor. He he didn't really play much in last year's tournament. He, Devin Levi kind of ran with it more than they were expecting him to. And yep. Darren only came in in relief in that one game. Uh, but he I mean he pitched a clean sheet in that one game and, and played well in the third period and they've got that comfort level just knowing that he's been on the stage he's been at the tournament he's been in the building all of that is a factor obviously Sebastian Kosa also has that comfort level just being in, uh, an oil king and, and having that familiarity as well uh, and then Kosa the big name so uh, my expectation is that they will split it, that that those two guys through group play, you'll see both of them play. They do have a back-to-back as they always do. Every team in this tournament has to play one back-to-back, which basically guarantees even if the other guy is looking like the starter that someone else is going to get a look. And then the real decision comes quarterfinals when they have to play their crossover game. That crossover game is probably going to be against Slovakia in the other group. Uh, And if if that's the case, then you make your decision. Okay, who's our guy for these last three games here? Uh, But I do think it'll come down to Kosa or Garen. And Kosa probably has the early leg up just on notoriety.
3: All right. And I guess lastly, if it comes to a prediction, you already said you think Canada is the top team in Pool A. I'm assuming that's what you meant by probably playing Slovakia. I think most people would pick them fourth in, in Pool B. Yeah, If Canada doesn't come away with gold this year, I think they are considered favourites going into this. Is it a you know a, a, a big disaster in your mind? Should Canada be heavily favoured this year?
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think they should be, if not the heavy favourites, they're definitely the favourites. Uh, that doesn't mean it's just going to be a walk in the park. I think in particular, the, the Swedes in the US could give them a good run for their money this year. I don't think the Finns or the Russians have a particularly strong lineup. The Russians, because they left some very good North American players off the roster, and the Finns, in particular, after we heard yesterday that they're not going to be getting Atu uh, who was projected to play inside their top six and be a big part of of that puzzle up front. Wow. Uh, so both of those teams look a little bit watered down, which is disappointing for Finland, who have won three of the last six gold medals here at the tournament. Um, but that that leaves USA, Canada, uh, and and the Swedes, who haven't won a gold medal in a decade. So uh, I really like this Swedish roster, and I think they're probably the biggest challenger, at least on paper, for this team Canada. But still, if, if Canada can get good goaltending from one of Kosa or Garand, and they can find somebody to play with with Caden Gooley and Owen Power and do a good enough job on, on that blue line in the high leverage minutes, I think they're going to be just fine. So... Uh, I, I suspect that they'll cruise through their group and then things obviously always get dicey into the medal round when you never really know what can happen. But Canada will be the betting favorite in, in every game they play, would be my guess.
3: Outstanding. Scott, really appreciate your time. Uh, looking forward to the tournament. I know you are as well. And uh, we'll keep an eye on everything at The Athletic that you're putting out there because it's always quality stuff. Uh, thanks for being available.
0: Thanks, Steve. Can't wait. Favorite time of the year.
3: That's Scott Wheeler from The Athletic uh, setting the stage uh, for Team Canada. And I would have to think that Canada goes into the tournament being, if not the gold medal favorite, then one of two uh, for me. And, and Scott said that he likes the Swedes in this tournament. And you know, we just had our guest on from uh, Sweden, Jimmy Hamreen from EP Ringside, who really kind of set the bar of expectations low for Sweden. Thinks they might be the third team in uh, that pool. So we'll see. I, I don't know. To me, on paper, it looks especially with the the way the Finns and uh, especially the Russians have constructed their team. And we'll learn more about those two clubs next week. But it looks to me like Canada, and the United States, and I'm not I'm not sold on the uh, the goaltending for the Americans. Uh, but uh, that's the other team that we will look closer at uh, next week. Finland, Russia, and the United States in the spotlight next week on the show. But let me know what you think. Is Canada the runaway favorite for the gold medal? Or who do you think is the next closest team? You can fire that off to me on Twitter, at TPS underscore Guy. Well, there are five other countries also involved in the World Junior Championship. And I'm not going to break down each one in their own segment. But I have one guest coming up who's going to tackle all five of them. We're going to look at the Czechs, the Germans, the Austrians, the Swiss, and the Slovaks next with Chris Peters from Daily Faceoff as well as from Hockey Sense and he can tell us about all five of those countries and we'll do so next here on the Pipeline Show brought to you by Will Hawk Beef Jerky Stitzler, back to Cider across the box
1: Dominic Fock, great pass in for Stitzler, slides it back across the score
4: Hello this is Tim Stützle from Mannheim and this is the Pipeline Show
1: Talent, development, NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. NHLers Kyle Turris, and Duncan Keith, and future NHLers Tyson Jost and Dante Fabro all took the campus route. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
2: Strange things are afoot at the Circle K.
3: We are back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. This might be the last segment for this week's episode, although I got some other uh, irons in the fire. But uh, if it is the last one, we're going out in style. Uh, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's the best beef jerky in Alberta. I would dare say it's the best beef jerky in the world. My next guest, hey, he might get to sample some while he's here because he'll be coming up. For the 2022 World Junior Championship, of course, I'm uh, speaking of Chris Peters, who is uh, contributor now with Daily Faceoff. He's got his own stuff at Hockey Sense as well. Chris, welcome back to the show, man. How are you? Ye, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Looking forward to sampling some of that beef
1: jerky when I'm in Alberta, assuming they let me into the country
3: yes Uh, at this
1: point but yeah but yeah but as long as they do i will definitely try that
3: yeah as of right now i'm not even sure because here in alberta they've just kind of uh put out some new regulations and stuff and there i have heard some talk about uh tougher border uh regulations what what is the status right now as you're up to speed on them
1: uh yeah i'm gonna have to review all of that (laughs) uh i mean you know basically i've i've got since I'm arriving on or due to arrive on boxing day you know they they've they've allowed testing you know seventy have to have a negative test within seventy two two hours of your departure and all that other stuff um so that's scheduled, but I may have to <laughs> may have to find somebody that'll do it on Christmas Day, so uh mm. we'll see what happens, but um yeah, just in case like I know to get back into the U.S., i s I've got to get uh tested twenty four hours before my departure. Um, you know, before I can even fly. So yeah, it's a real touch and go right now. Um, certainly, you know, there's the p- possibility that I, you know, that if, if I don't get to go, then I'd be really sad about it. But also, I mean, I think at this point, I'm not uh, interested in as much as I love Canada and I haven't been back in almost two years just because of the pandemic yet. Uh, as much as I love it, I, I don't want to spend, you know, a couple months there because I can't get across the border. So yeah. that, that's something I've got in mind.
3: Yeah, uh, most of us here that live here don't want to spend a couple of months in uh, late December to uh, mid-February here <laughs> either. So, uh, yeah, I don't blame you. All right, Chris, let's get to it. And uh, I'm going to ask you about the five countries that uh, I'm not having individual segments for. But uh, before we jump into that, maybe, I mean, you have been uh, pumping out the content at both the uh, DFO and uh, at uh, Hockey Sense, what do you have that's uh, come out in here in the last two or three days, and maybe what you have coming up as well?
1: Yeah, well, certainly a lot of stuff at Hockey Sense. You know, that's kind of my catch all for anything that doesn't end up on DailyFaceoff.com, and you know, really glad to be with that outfit, and that's the reason that I'm planning to go to Alberta is to mm-hmm. cover it for them. But uh, you know, I've got I, I've got a lot of different things. There's actually a free preview on Hockey Sense because it is a subscription site, but there's a free article on. Um, USA's final roster, some thoughts on the controversial decisions that Russia made um, for their roster and just kind of some of the accusations <laughs> that have been levied at Sergey Zubov for, for the guys that he left off and everything else. But, um, you know, and so that's that's got a lot on there. Um, there'll be more, you know, just put out a podcast with uh, my good pal, Mike Morial, who I know you know as well mm-hmm. um, from uh, NHL.com. He was on site at USA camp. So we talked a lot about that and the U.S. roster finalization. And then over on Daily Faceoff, actually, at the end of this week, there will be um, a, a prospects to watch NHL prospects to watch kind of thing for um, for Daily Faceoff. That's regarding the World Juniors. There'll be a full preview up there uh, the following week as well. And then um right now I just actually just today I published a piece on the plan B scenarios for Canada and the US if the NHL does not go to the Olympics. So I kinda took a look at you know some of the options available to uh Canada and the US if they don't have NHLers and uh it's uh it's not pretty. All right.
3: I'm guessing there'd be a lot <laughs> of uh guys who are playing over in Europe and maybe some college guys or something.
1: Correct. Yeah. So basically, I mean, you know, the, the, we would assume that if NHL, if the NHLPA decides collectively that the players don't want to go, um, we'd assume that they wouldn't be able to get anybody on an NHL contract. So that, that does limit your pool pretty significantly.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, so for Canada's team, it's a lot of KHL guys. They have a lot of quality Canadians that are playing in the KHL guys that have played in the NHL before. Um, but you know, yeah, guys in the Swedish league, the Swiss league, you know, fin- Finnish league, they're all, and you're trying to find as many of those guys as you can to, to, to put onto a roster. And then for the U.S., um, certainly a lot of college guys. Uh, but the thing about that is, Guy, is they might not go. Like the college guys might say, I, Hey, this is the crucial part of my season.
3: Yeah.
4: This isn't
1: something I anticipated as honor, as big, as big of an honor as it is. I just don't think it's right to disrupt my season right now for a month or more or, and, you know, and if you get quarantined and you miss the national championship uh not great so um yes but but on my projected rosters just because i wanted to give a sample of the kind of players that would be at there's about five michigan wolverines (laughs) in the mix for both u.s and canada so um you know so that's the way that it goes but uh but yeah but if you'll recall a couple years ago kale mccarr said no thank you to canada for the olympics and i think it was the right decision for him at that time and as hard as it may have been to make
3: All right, Chris, let's jump into the uh, upcoming World Junior Championship. The five countries that we're going to talk to you about, three of them are in the A pool. That would be Austria, the Czech Republic, Germany, and the two from the B pool, Slovakia and Switzerland. The individual segments for the other countries uh, being Canada, Finland, the U.S., Russia, and Sweden uh, all have their own segments uh, this week and next week here on the Pipeline Show. Let's start. We'll go alphabetically, and uh, it might be the shortest of the, uh, the five uh, teams we're talking about the conversation with Austria. Uh, they don't have any drafted uh, NHL draftees on their roster, as far as I can tell. Uh, there are a couple guys playing in North America that, uh, I mean, Sebastian Ranschitz uh, has been the shits uh, in the WHL for uh, the Victoria Royals. They only played a couple of games, but he's got awful stats. Is there anything to look forward to when it comes to Austria in this tournament?
1: Actually, yes, there is. There's one thing to look forward to. Um, for me, at least, and that's Marco Casper, who's currently playing in the Swedish Hockey League. He's a projected first rounder for this year's draft. Um, I know that the, the people that have been watching him in Europe really have a lot of respect for his game. He's a playmaker. He's putting up some points right now. Um, you know, so you, you, you don't have Marco Rossi, but you do have Marco Casper and and he's, he's, you know, he's not, he's not Marco Rossi, but he is a pretty darn good player. And I think every, every country, you know, when you get into the relegation, one player can make the difference in those games. Um, and if he's as good as advertised in this tournament, even though he is young, um, you know, at at, uh, at just 17 years old, you know, maybe that's the difference for you. Um, I think it's gonna be really tough for Austria to do much of anything, uh, given the fact that uh, they, you know, they, but I should say that, you know, they, they at least have a, com- a competitive opportunity, maybe against Germany, if Germany doesn't get all the players that are eligible for them. And it sounds like they won't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's a situation where, Hey, maybe you can sneak up on them, get it, get into the, you know, win that one game and all of a sudden you're in the, the playoff round and you're avoiding relegation. So uh, but that's, I mean, really, you know, outside of that, it's really difficult to find a ton there where you're like, Oh yeah, this is, this is going to go all right for them. Um, you know, I, I think that really it's going to be all about for, at least for me personally watching Marco Casper and seeing how he handles This
3: All right, and you said Casper's for the 2022 draft. I see there's a a handful of 2004-born players, but I haven't looked to see if they're late birthdays or anything. So is he the only notable, really, for this coming draft?
1: Yeah, I think so, at least as far as guys that are on my radar, for sure.
3: Let's skip uh, over to the Czech Republic. And I said there's no draftees uh, on the Austrian uh, club, but there's a number of them playing for the Czech Republic. On paper, this looks like a pretty darn good team. Uh, How do you size up uh, the Czechs?
1: Yeah, you know, they, they should have a, a chance to be competitive in this group, you know, a chance to, to compete with fin- Finland to be the second team behind Canada. Um, and, you know, I, what I like about their team, obviously, Jan Mishak is, is a guy that, that I think everybody's familiar with. It feels like he's playing in the 40th world juniors of his career.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, the way things are going, you know, it's, it's, he, he has a chance to really step out and be the guy, you know, this year. I'd really like to see him take a step forward, but then there are other guys. But I think, you know, maybe you're not as familiar with, but we're really good at the under 18 worlds. Jakob Urbanic, uh, was really good for, uh, the Czechs there. I've liked him. He was a guy that I had ranked, um, and, and, and think pretty highly of. Same with Martin Rusavi. Um, pretty solid player. Then you got a guy like Michael Krutil who's been playing all year in the AHL. So that's good prep for him. Um, and then Stanislav Svosil, uh, who was drafted by Columbus last year has long been you know, one of those Czech guys that I think a lot of people have paid a, lot, a very special attention to, you know, now being in the WHL, he's had an opportunity to kind of play in his own age group and, and find his way a little bit more. Uh, but the player that I'm actually most looking forward to to see on this team is not drafted yet. Um, and that's David Juracek, because for me, he was their best player at the under 18 world. He got hurt and they tanked as soon as he was out. He was playing probably 25 minutes a game. Um, you know, he's a, he's actually, I think he's a much better defensive player, uh, than, than Savosil is. Um, and, and I really like the way that he plays the game. Two-way defenseman, good size, has the physicality to him. Um, so I have a lot of, uh, respect for, for him as a player. They, this is a team that's got a lot of size throughout the lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yaroslav Smellers is, is, is huge. Six, is Rangers prospect, six foot four, 209. Um, you know, so this is a, this is a team where if you aren't careful, you're really in trouble because you know, and it, it uh, is all dependent on them getting the goaltending. Jan Bednar is a a Red Wings draft. Pick, which probably, you know, for me is the guy that I would I see most likely to be the starter for this team. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting grind for them to to you know to get through. Obviously, you got to deal with Canada and then the crossovers. There won't be an easy team because you have the group of death on the other side. So, um, you know, could they could they threaten to get into the semis? I mean. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not super confident of that, but I think they certainly could uh, maybe sneak up on some teams in the preliminary round and, and get a get a pretty favorable spot in the standing.
3: That size is, uh, it's pretty striking. They got a lot of big players. All three of their goaltenders are six three or six four. Uh, but yeah, you, as you mentioned, Bednar probably expected to be the starter. Two guys who aren't drafted yet who are having good years. Michael Good with the Everett Silvertips and in the WHL, and and Ivan Ivan, great name. Uh, and having a good season <laughs> in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League this year. Now, they're both 19-year-olds. I, I think they're 19. They're 2002-born t- yep. guys. Not drafted yet, but maybe a tournament like this gives them a, a bit of a spotlight.
1: Yeah, you know, it's all about building and, and getting – you can put your name on a lot of lists at this tournament. We've seen it before with with several players. I think about, like, Kirill Slepitz a few years ago with Russia. Um, you know, the, some of the other players that, that have kind of made themselves known – and then it's all about building off of that. So if you're having a good year in the WHL and then you have a good tournament, it means people are going to keep a closer eye on you. So absolutely. And I think, I think teams are, are much more, uh, much more likely anymore to draft, uh, guys that are, you know, a few years beyond their initial draft year. It's just, they have more information. They f- feel more comfortable. Um, you know, and those are two guys, I think absolutely that have an opportunity to, to hear their names called with, a strong performance. I mean, you know, if this if this Czech team makes enough noise, um, that will be remembered, and that will definitely be factored into the draft rankings and everything else.
3: David Spachek, may be another one. He's a point-per-game player yeah, in the Q really this one. year mm-hmm. with the uh, Sherbrooke Phoenix. All right, so the Czechs look pretty good. Uh, let's go to Germany, and I, I think their story right now is, as you mentioned, maybe they don't get some of the guys who are eligible because uh, Lucas Reichel and, and J.J. Paterka, both of them eligible, playing in the American Hockey League. But not expected to be with this team. That's a bit of a story on on its own.
1: Well, it's a huge story because it's a huge hit to their roster, and it's it's obviously a a massive blow to their chances of even making it past the you know making it into the playoff round. And we're talking, you know, if you if you don't beat Austria, then you're yeah you're in trouble. So, um, you know, the thing about it is though, having seen this age group and seen other players, they do have some some guys that that are going to be able to. Uh, handle this, you know, Luca Munzenberger is drafted by the Edmonton Oilers, their goalie, Nikita Kwap, who had a phenomenal under 18 worlds last year and put himself on the radar and also had a really good season in the, in the German league um, was drafted by Carolina. So, you know, those are, those are two guys that are drafted on their roster. Uh, but then there are others, there are some other guys, like one of my favorites, I actually ranked them in my draft rankings last year. He didn't get picked, but uh Bennett Rossamy, um, who's, he's only had no okay season this year, but he was, you know, really good at the under 18 blaster. He's got size. He's got physicality, plays with uh, some edge. Uh, Florian Elias, is, uh, Elias is also another guy that I really like. Yeah. Um, on their team in terms of the skill that he brings to the table. And I think that he's going to be able to, to kind of help them, you know, be competitive. Um, you know, it's just going to be a matter of, of those guys getting an opportunity to, to, to do what they can and, and not having, Paterka and Reichel to carry them. And you know, we figured, you know, Stutzla was, was not going to be, you know, there wasn't going to be any options there. And then he he was he was so much their team last year. I mean, he was the reason that they were in the playoff round and, and really was a guy that, that you know made so many things happen. They dealt with the loss of Moritz Sider last year, who they could have had um, very well. You know, they managed it well. Uh, and they also dealt with COVID throughout and they found a way. So, you know, if they get to the gold. And their defense can hold up a little bit. They do have enough skill in their group to potentially put some pressure on other teams. Will it be enough to to make much noise beyond? You know, if they make the quarterfinal, it's probably you know you're you're playing whoever's in first place of the mm-hmm. of the other you know the other side. So you know your tournament's probably over. But I think you if you're Germany being out of the relegation round is a victory, knowing what you had available but couldn't have because they weren't they weren't released.
3: Is Quap the, uh, the automatic starter, in your opinion? I mean, the other two goaltenders, they seem like they have better numbers this year, but all three of them, though, kind of bouncing around from team to team and league to league.
1: Yeah, I would say Quap is just because of the fact that he is playing in the top professional domestic league. And on top of that, he has that experience at the Under-18 Worlds where he was under siege and he managed, you know, he, he kept his team in a lot of games where they weren't getting completely blown out of the building. So, you know, I think that that, because of that experience, that probably gives him an edge. The other two guys are older. Yep. Um. You know, certainly Bugle is the guy that could could get starts, but I think in terms of size, in terms of the way that he plays, I think Koop is the most uh, talented of the three, uh, regardless of you know his numbers at this point this season.
3: All right, let's move to uh, Slovakia. As, uh, Chris Peters is my guest, the contributor at uh, Daily Faceoff as well as uh, at Hockey Sense, uh, you can find him on the Twitter machine at Chris M. Peters. He's got links to all of his stuff there. Uh, and he's been very, very busy. Uh, let's go to Slovakia. And this is a, they look really young to me on paper, but there's a lot of really cool names here. And not just because of the way they sound, but like intriguing prospects, some of them eligible for this year's draft. Others, uh, you know, they don't have a ton of drafted guys, but uh, the guys that who have, have been drafted, pretty interesting players in their own right.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Martin Kromiak is is poised to be a leader on this team. He's going to be leaned on heavily. Um, you know, he's another guy that's played in multiple World Juniors and has had a couple kicks at this can and now he's he's got to be the guy that, that kind of leads it. Um, you know, so we'll see where he can take them. Yakup Demick as well is is, you know, another one of the drafted players that that uh, drafted by um uh, Vegas and Samuel Nashko, who's been in the national team system for so long. Um, he's going to be a, a pretty key player for them as well. But I think, you know, as you mentioned, the youth on this team is really what defines it. And the youth is going to be what carries this team if they go anywhere. And I think they do have the goods to sneak up on some teams. not Careful. Now you look at the class that they have that, that, you know, the, the group that went to the championship game at the Holinka Gretzky cup. They're going to bring a lot of those players with them on this team. Simon Nemitz has already played for the senior national team and he's probably going to be a top 10 pick this year or, you know, top 15 at worst. And he's going to play a ton of minutes on the back end. They have so much faith in him and what he can do. You look at, um, uh, Yuri Slobkovsky and hit same thing. He's played on the senior national team already, played in the world championship last year. You know, he's playing in Liga, playing against men. So you're going to lean on him heavily. And then you've got, you know, DeLibor Dvorski, who's not a draft eligible until 2023, Mm -hmm. and he is absolutely lighting the U-20 ranks on fire. He's played some in the the Swedish league as well. He's playing in Sweden, but he's been outstanding, you know, for his age, one of the great seasons. I I was just looking up, I I believe if my memory serves from the research that I did, because I wrote about him um, just recently, or I, I talked about him on my podcast just recently, you know, in terms of U-20 production for a 16 year old, I think he's like sixth all time in points per game wow. this season. And so the names ahead of him are like Sadin and William Nylander. And like, and that's what, that's the level of production that he's had and why he's playing professionally. So they have these, these guys that can play with anybody in the world. Is that going to be enough? I mean, it can be. We saw Germany. That was enough for them to keep teams honest and to get into the quarterfinal round. I have a feeling that, you know, Slovakia, if they're, if they catch, you know, they could catch a Russia, they could catch a Sweden, they could catch the U S even with the, with the amount of talent that they have in their group. It's just a matter of, will the goaltending hold up? Mm -hmm. And Simon Lakozy got that, got that opportunity last year. He's still playing in the USHL. uh, But last year he had a few instances where he stole games for them. And then, you know, he ended up coming back and, and played for the Chicago steel and, and, you know, now he's back with, uh, with madison and and so yeah so i mean he's he's a really impressive player but i i think probably going to be the guy that gets the gets the net for them that changes the whole dynamic for you if you get the goaltending you got a chance and and so i think slovakia really does have an opportunity here to make a statement i think that in two years probably more like next year depending on if they have everybody available that's the year where we could start seeing them saying hey maybe they get into the semifinals maybe they get into the, to the medal round, you know, and, that, and have an opportunity to play for, for some hardware, which has not happened in a really, really long time, which is a real shame because Slovakia has been such a power for so long. So uh, really looking forward to seeing what they bring to the table. Um, assuming I'm allowed in the country, I'll be in red here and I'll be paying a very special close attention to that Slovakian team for, for NHL draft purposes. And also just out of my own personal curiosity to see, it, are, are we going to see this team take a step forward and see, Slovakia so back in in the mix with the top teams
3: again. All three of their goalies playing in North America, two in the USHL, and uh, and Thomas Bolo in the uh, in the knoll. Um get, I'm gonna go back to the two uh, high-profile draft-eligible guys, uh, Simon Nemec on the back end, and Juris who it's man six four, two hundred and twenty-five pounds, pretty darn intriguing, especially with his skill set. Yeah. Can you just touch on, expand on uh, what you've seen from both of those guys? Because I know a lot of people will be keen in on them too. To uh, with the draft in mind.
1: Yeah, I mean they just play with such maturity, and and ne- Nemes is, is is such a good defenseman. I mean he's a pro, he's been a pro for a couple of years now. You know he's he's been having had the opportunity where he was basically playing top four minutes at times for the for the national team at, at the World Championship. He's got size, he's got mobility, he moves pucks extremely well. He's not afraid to take pucks up the ice himself, and you know, he jumps into plays. Defends at a high level. So all those things are, are key for, for him to, to have success. Slavkovsky, you talk about the size profile, the ability for him to, uh, you know, just play with the skill that he does. He's got good pace. Um, you know, he's very difficult to, to take off the puck. He protects the puck well. Um, really great shot, you know, deceptive. Um, and, and just a, a very motivated individual when he, when he gets going and he, he's really difficult to slow yeah. down. Um, and, you know, and, and one other guy for this year's draft that I didn't mention, Philip Mayhar, uh, is another one that really could have an opportunity to, to have a breakout moment in this tournament. He's not as big, but he's super skilled, super quick, um, was a real dominant force at that tournament at the, at the Lincoln Gretzky Cup. And so if you have, you know, we're talking like, you know, three, four five players that you say, hey, they, these guys can skate with anybody in the world. That gives you a chance. That really does give you a chance in a year where I think it's a little more wide open in terms of the competitiveness of these teams. So uh, really looking forward to seeing this this Slovakian team and those three players in particular on top of the D- Dvorsky to see, you know, after, after his incredible Holinka greski cup, he finished with just one point behind Matt Vemichkov this year yeah. for the most ever in a single tournament. Like, I mean, I want to see that live. I want to see what that looks like and see, See if they're going to be able to, to to actually do something with this, and then you know take the pressure off of guys like Chromiak to make sure that they you know they don't have to do it at all.
3: I'm going to make one more statement about the uh, the Slovaks Jakub Demek, who I get to watch all the time here because he plays with the Edmonton Oil Kings. He's not Leon Drysital, but one trait I remember distinctly from Drysital when he was playing in the WHL with uh, either Prince Albert or Kelowna, uh, he was so uh, capable of of making a uh, uh, you know a saucer pass or just an accurate pass. Forehand or backhand. I don't think I've seen a better player at the junior level making backhand passes on the money than Leon Dreisaitl. Jakob Demek might be the next guy uh, who seems to be just super capable of passing the puck either forehand or backhand. That's the only thing that I'm going to compare him to Leon Dreisaitl. Pretty lofty comparison there (laughs) to link those two, but uh, he is a fantastic setup man in Jakob Demek. All right, the last team we're going to get to is... uh, Switzerland, and this, again, might not take very long. They do have a couple of draft, drafted players, and Brian Zanetti on the back end, Flyers guy, and uh, Simon Nack, uh, who played uh, in the in the WHL with the Portland Winterhawks, drafted by Nashville. But is there much else to look forward to here for for Switzerland?
1: Maybe. I mean, I think Leon Bichelle, who who's draft eligible this year, is going to get a lot of eyeballs. Um, you know, he's... he's he played in the uh, Swedish league um, and yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's a big dude and he's got some smoothness to him. You know, I don't, I, I think he's still very raw, but you look at the size package and you, you look at the, the, you know, kind of some of the plays that he's able to make, you know, and there are guys that haven't been drafted that I think are pretty solid players that could have a, a real opportunity to, you know, showcase themselves a little bit here. Like I, I've always thought Noah Meyer was a pretty good player. Didn't get drafted, um, you know, but he's been a solid defenseman for them for a few years. Uh, but, you know, beyond those guys, it's, it's, there's, there's not a ton there. Obviously, Lorenzo Canonica, uh, Attilio Biasca, guys that we've seen in, in, in the CHL, um, and guys that have been in this tournament before, uh, you know, they're going to have to take such a huge step up to have any hope really in this tournament. Um, just because it's, it's, it's going to be really difficult to, to play in that group of death and to be, you know, the Swiss when you've got, Sweden and Russia and that Slovakian team that we just talked about, mm-hmm. you know, where do you pick up points? That's, that's going to be the real, the real concern there. And I also, you know, I don't have a ton of great feelings about their goaltending situation either. So um it's going to be really difficult. You never know who guys, which guys are going to step up, but you know, certainly uh, guys like Kanak and, and, and Michelle are going to give you something to watch with Switzerland and uh, you just hope that you know they're they're such a they do feel very far removed um, at the international level over the last you know three or four seasons from the Nico Heisher years, yeah. um, you know, and and when when they didn't have great depth, but if they had that one guy, if they had the Nico Heisher, if they had the Kevin Fiala or the Nino Niederreiter, they had a chance because enough of the rest of the guys were were able to play at that level. Um, I don't think that's true right now, and so that's just something that that the Swiss are going to have to contend with, and they're going to have to be really careful because I do think they are at at a severe um, relegation risk if they're not careful in this tournament.
3: Chris, I kept you a long time. Great rundown, though, on those five countries. Uh, Really looking forward to the tournament myself. Uh, unfortunately, I can't get into the building right now, but uh, I guess if uh, all you international travelers get aren't able to get into the country, geez, maybe some spots in the press box opens up. Uh, it's not the way I, I wanted it. I think so. I think so. <laughs> it's not the way I wanted it to happen, Chris. But uh, no, I hope you get into the country and uh, that you enjoy the tournament. Uh, always great to uh, catch up with you here on the Pipeline Show.
1: Lucky. Always great to be with you. Happy holidays, bud.
3: There is Chris Peters, good friend of the Pipeline Show, and I sincerely hope that he and all the other international travelers are able to get uh, into Canada to watch this tournament. Now, uh, unfortunately, I mean, everybody knows what happened last year. No fans, no media, no scouts. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this year, you know, fingers crossed we can get back to normal. But uh, things are clamping down here in Canada again. I'm not sure what it's like where you are, uh, but uh, it's it's not good right now. So hopefully things work out for guys And gals like Chris and Julie Robenheimer, who uh, I'm scheduled to speak with next week about Team USA. And I don't think Slava Malamud uh, is coming up. He's my guest next week to talk about Team Russia. And uh, my Finnish guest, Yoni Niemann, happens to live here, so he's okay. Uh, But we'll see. Now, as for what Chris had to say, I think the Czechs are going to be a fun team to watch this year. I'm actually really intrigued to watch Slovakia. I'm expecting almost nothing from Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Tell me I'm wrong at TPS underscore Guy is how you get me on Twitter. We are going to finish out this week's episode with a 2022 draft spotlight. We're going to go to Swift Current, or actually they're coming here. They're playing this weekend against the Edmonton Oil Kings for a couple of games, Friday night and Saturday night, which gives me an opportunity to talk to one of the draft-eligible Broncos, and there's three or four really intriguing players. One of them is coming up next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Top down to Debrask, gains a
0: Tiger Line, shoots, SCOO Jake DuBrasse does it again in overtime.
2: Hey, it's Jake Debrus from the Swift Crane Broncos and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
3: The Troubled Monk Brew of the Week. Hey, this one's great on ice. Why is that, bud? Troubled Monk Troubled Tea. This surprising beverage is low in sugar, zero carbonation, and has an unmistakable real tea taste. Alberta's first and only hard iced tea. Player comparable, Jack Eichel. Silky smooth and super skilled, but a little softer and enjoyed by all. Troubled Monk. Visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk craft beverages worth sharing
1: you're listening to the pipeline show with gee flaming
3: i know that dude hey we're back on the pipeline show and it's the final segment for this week's episode of course the program brought to you by wilhock beef jerky it's alberta's best beef jerky and it is absolutely delicious if you happen to be in the local area you can get there still before christmas and uh, pick some up uh, make a, a fine stocking stuffer. How about that? Uh, all right. We're going to turn on the 2022 draft spotlight segment uh, for this uh, final segment of the week. And uh, we're going to get to know another player eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. And uh, he's having a terrific season with the Swift Current Broncos. His name is Matthew Ward. Uh, Matt, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you?
4: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me.
3: Pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. You're having a terrific season this year and the Broncos are having a somewhat of a resurgence uh, right now as well. I look Right now, if the playoffs started today, you guys would be in the playoffs, and it's been a while since we've been able to say that. So it seems like on paper, I know you're coming off a, a big loss yesterday in Red Deer, unfortunately, but it um, seems like in general, this season's gone pretty well for you guys.
4: Uh, yeah, no, for sure. I think we're right where we want to be. Um, our goal is to make playoffs at the beginning of the year, and to be in a spot right now, sort of halfway through the year, it's a big accomplishment for us, but we we still know that there's a lot of games to be played, and a lot can happen. So,
3: Yeah, you're only two wins behind Moose Jaw, and they're in uh, fourth place. In fact, there's a three-way tie for fourth place. So uh, you get a, on a three- or four-game winning streak, and a lot can turn around. Uh, home ice advantage in the first round right now is not out of the question, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, what about for you, Matt? How have you felt uh, about the season just for yourself on a personal uh, basis?
4: Um, I mean, I don't really try and think about too much personally. I know it's a team game um but like like i say to a lot of people i can't really do what i do individually without my teammates so um yeah i think overall we've had a good year but we still we still have a lot better to do and give so
3: well seven points and i think your last six games so the offense is certainly continuing on with yourself and you've always been an offensive guy so that's not a surprise at all uh, what's been the biggest difference you've seen from yourself from, you know, like the, the shortened season that we saw back in the spring? Uh, and I know that was your first taste of the WHL. So it's not all that long ago, but can you, can you feel or do you notice development in yourself? Uh, yeah, I think
4: so. I think a lot of it is just confidence to make certain plays as well. Um, once you've been in the league for a full year, well, I guess COVID year, but yeah, um, I guess technically a full year, um, you get confidence, and, and when I have coaches like I've had in recent years, they've instilled a lot of confidence in me and, and just basically told me to go out and do what I do. And uh, So for that, I'm thankful, and I think I've been doing as much as I
3: can so far. So, Well, 22 points in the subhub, hub uh, 23 games. Nice to get out onto the road, though, this season and, and actually have a, somewhat of a normal year where you're playing teams other than just uh, what's in Saskatchewan and Manitoba.
4: Uh yeah, for sure. I think it's cool. I mean, you don't really get the full WHL experience without the travel. Um it is a grind, but at the end of the day, I think our team's handling it pretty good being a young team, so.
3: I I know that the Broncos this year have been I mean, you've been streaky. There's been uh, stretches where you've won three or four in a row and a couple uh, the other direction as well. Is there a big difference in a, inside of a game from one game to another, the games you win and the games you lose? Is there a big difference in the way you guys are playing or is it like razor thin? It's just a couple of mistakes. One game just work against you.
4: Um, I don't know. I feel like when you, when it's the team's hot, you're hot. And when you're not really clicking, not really clicking. Um, but that's one of the things we need to work on is our consistency. Um, we can't be a team that just expects to win games, you know, four in a row and then, and then go quiet for the next four. So right. we got to, We've got to work on that um, consistency part, but um, I think we'll get it uh, pretty good pretty soon here. So,
3: Well, you got, uh, you're in town to, to take on the Oil Kings this weekend. A couple of games against the Oil Kings. I'm sure this interview will be uh, used during the broadcast. Uh, as we're chatting right now, it's Thursday and you guys are going to the Oilers game tonight. That's got to be fun.
4: Yeah, and it'll be cool. It's always nice to catch games like that, um, see how all the professionals handle themselves, and... And learn as much as you can. It's supposed to be a fun thing, but it's also a learning thing as well. So um, it'll be fun.
3: Matthew Ward is my guest. He's a uh, forward with the Swift Current Broncos. And uh, Matt, what we like to do in this part of the show is let the audience get to know a draft-eligible player like yourself. And there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who don't care about junior hockey. But when it comes around to the draft, they're going to go back and try to listen to all these interviews and stuff uh, because you're a draft-eligible guy. They want to know the info. Uh, but they don't know yeah. the Broncos or anything. So for for those kinds of fans, let's get the, go right back to the start. Uh, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Kamloops, BC. All right. And do you remember how old you were when you first started playing? Oof,
4: I don't remember the exact age, but ever since I could remember, I've been playing hockey. So
3: who got you into hockey at a young age?
4: Ah, uh, my parents. I think my dad just got me out with the ice one day, and then all my brothers we stuck with it. So
3: oh, you got lots of brothers. How many uh, siblings? uh i got two other brothers okay older younger mix i'm in the middle so one older one younger nice well I, i'm a younger brother so i I know i always wanted to do what my older brother was doing especially when i was a kid uh was there something yeah. like that for you
4: um sort of i think it was just a group thing all three of us we all loved hockey and and we stuck with it till this day so we love the game and and want to continue it as far as we can go so
3: uh, you're a forward. Have you always been a forward, or did you ever play on the blue line, or uh, heck, even throw the pads on?
4: Um, I used to play a little, little bit of defense back way back, but um, I think
3: forwards my position, so
4: um, I'm gonna probably be there the rest of my life. Yeah.
3: So. Well, it's worked out pretty well. I know when I ask yeah. that question of a lot of guys, they'll say, you know, when you're maybe a novice or something like that, and maybe you didn't have a full-time goaltender, and everybody has to take their turn in net or something. Ever have one of those?
4: Um. No, I I was I was always too scared to do that. I didn't <laughs> think I'd like it, so I just stayed away from that. But all
3: right, well, it's fun to score the goals, and you you certainly done yeah. that uh, along the way. 64 points in your uh, in your Bannum draft year, I believe, and you didn't have to wait long on draft day. Uh, 14th overall pick in the first round. Uh, tell me about your draft day experience uh, for the WHL Bannum draft. And uh, I know some guys were at school, or some guys were allowed to stay home that day. Uh, what was it like for you?
4: Um, well, me and a bunch of my buddies, were we were in Philadelphia for um, ah. like some big uh, Western WSI tournaments. So um, a couple of days before the tournament, we were in New York. So I was just sitting sit in New York um, listening and watching the draft. So it was kind of a unique thing for me and my parents. So it was fun.
3: Cool. And now being a BC kid, knowing you're going to have to move to Saskatchewan and enjoy an actual winter... Uh, what was that like? Uh, your first taste of a uh, cold winter. I, I imagine Swift gets a little chillier than Kamloops does.
4: Oh yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's not super great, but you know what? It's, it's fun <laughs> being around all the guys, and and the town does a really good job with our team. So.
3: All right. Uh, is the uh, the draft something you spend a lot of time thinking about, Matthew?
4: Um, no. I I try and and just worry about my team my team stuff. I mean, it's everyone's draft here, It's tough to not think about it. So. Um, I mean the best thing you can do is just worry about your team game and, and your your individual um accomplishments will come along the way. So
3: I know when it comes to rankings and things, a lot of players will tell me they tried not to think about that stuff at all. Uh there are other guys though who tell me they want to know where people have them ranked because they use that as as motivation. Uh what about for you?
4: Um, yeah, obviously I, I do like to use it as motivation. Um even in the WHL draft people have me you know whatever they have me and and then you end up going higher so i mean mm-hmm. i don't know it's just a personal thing that some people use um, i use that a little bit but at the end of the day i just play my game and and people notice if if it's good enough so
3: i know uh, central scouting with their preseason or their early season rankings had you as a C rated player which i think they call fifth to seventh round no scout that i've talked to thinks you're going to be around anywhere near that late in the draft uh, i think most people are pegging you somewhere in the second round something like that when you see a you know a ranking like that from central scouting is that do you do you get upset or do you, is that just a fuel to the fire how do you react when you see something like that
4: um well i think you got to respect it i mean that is people's jobs that they're doing um they're not just throwing a list together um they they have done it for a few years but at the end of the day I mean, I know what kind of player I am. Um, And, you know, like, yeah, like, I know what kind of player I am. I know what kind I can bring to the table. So, um, I don't really like commenting on where I think I should go. Um, I do have confidence in myself, but I know I can give a lot, so...
3: Fair enough. Uh, the you haven't had the experience of being able to play in a U seventeen or the Ivan Holinka tournament. All of those things have been kind of taken away from you and the rest of the draft class, uh, especially the Canadians. Uh, the CHL Top Prospect Game is scheduled to go this year. How big of a, a a showcase event is that for you? Should you be able to make that squad? Like, is that something you really, really want to be a part of?
4: Um. Yeah. No. I think for every player in the league, it's um something they they think think about and look forward to um um but like i said it's um i'm worried about my team game right now um, our goal is to make the playoffs um and obviously if those individual things come along they're they're nice and all but but at the end of the day it's uh we're worried about our team team game and making playoffs right now so
3: well, I'm looking forward to this uh, weekends uh, two game tilt here with the uh, against the Oil Kings because I haven't had a chance to watch you play in person. I've seen uh, some of the games online and things like that, but that doesn't always uh, give the complete picture. For those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, can you describe yourself as a player?
4: Um, yeah, I think when when you just look at me, um people see I'm small, but I think I play bigger than how I look. Um I'm not scared to get in the corners. I think I'm a competitive guy. Obviously, with some skill, I think I can. Um, I'm a good playmaker, um, but also I'm I'm not just a straight playmaker. I think I have some touch around the net and, and can score goals as well. So,
3: do you find as a smaller guy that you kind of have to play bigger than you are just to uh, show the opposition you're not going to get pushed around, you're not going to get taken advantage of? So do you, do you do you find like you're a bit chippier than maybe uh, you know a guy who might be your skill set but three inches taller?
4: Yeah, for sure. I think like when you're a smaller guy, you have to. You have to bring something to the table. And for me, that's um, competitiveness and, and physicality. Like, I'm not, not scared of going to go into a corner with a, with a big guy. Uh, even though he's got you know 50 some pounds on me, I'll still throw a hit or, or four check cards. So, I mean, the work ethic and competitiveness is something I try and bring to the table every night um, to make up for my size. So
3: We see a lot of guys your size who are getting drafted high and having success now at the NHL level, let alone at the parole level. Do you think size is overrated? Uh yeah, I think so. I mean, like
4: um at the end of the day it's you in the draft you take the best available. Um sometimes size is a, is a is something you want, sometimes it's something you don't really need, but I think the way the game is going right now is you take the best player available and it's more of a skill game. So I mean uh that's just how I think, but you know, other people have opinions. So
3: Matthew, there's a number of Broncos who are eligible and on the radar for the draft this year. Uh, is that something that you guys talk about at all amongst yourselves you, yourself and and Owen Pickering I know uh your goaltender there's a couple other guys as well uh, is it something you guys chat about or do you all kind of keep that to yourselves uh, I think
4: we we chat about it a little bit but you know we don't want to be you know talking about it and consuming ourselves with that type of thing um like I said multiple times we're we're really worried about our team game yeah. I mean being a young team it's kind of hard to um you know sort of have that playoff mentality but um i think as a young team we're doing a really good job of it um and all our guys are buying in so um we're excited for the next few months here
3: with dean brockman stepping aside earlier this season uh, things can go one of two ways like the team responds or suddenly you you tank and that didn't happen for you guys was that a you know uh, i'm guessing it sounded like it was a surprise to everybody um what did it change anything? Was there you guys talk about it in the dressing room or anything like that? Because it doesn't seem like it's affected you.
4: No, for sure. It was a, it was a big surprise, but I think um, all of our guys handled it professionally. I mean, we could have just said, you know what, whatever, like, coach, like, left, we're kind of like lost, but we bought into our new coaches' systems and, and we know what to expect, but nothing really changes. It's hockey's hockey. So, um, like I said, uh, I think we're doing pretty good.
3: Fantastic. Matthew, listen, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, enjoy the Oiler game tonight and uh, maybe we'll uh, cross paths down with the Oil Kings uh, on Saturday night and uh, or on Friday night and Saturday afternoon. Thanks for doing this. Yeah,
4: for sure. Thank you very much.
3: All right, that was Matthew Ward, who is a, a outstanding forward with the Swift Current Broncos. I'm really looking forward to those two games this weekend uh, between the Oil Kings and the Broncos and then uh, the Oil Kings are out of town because the World Juniors slides into Edmonton. Hoping for good crowds uh, this weekend as, well, what we're seeing right now in the NHL. I mean, Montreal and the Flyers are playing tonight in Montreal and no fans. So are we headed that direction again? Gosh, I hope not. But whatever uh, whatever it takes. And with that, that is uh, the end of this week's episode. we got one more to go next week, uh, but it is cleanup time. I'll tell you who's coming up next week in a second. Reminder, get your bidet from hellotushy.com slash pipeline. Automatic, 10% off just for using that URL link and uh, you'll get taken care of for sure absolutely happy with my purchase of a bidet from Hello Tushy it's better for you it's better for the environment it's better for your wallet because you save so much money on toilet paper over the first you know 6 months or whatever it's basically going to pay for itself i haven't talked to anybody who has a bidet who doesn't appreciate the bidet so check it out again hellotushy.com/pipeline all right next week on the program we've got Finland, we've got Russia, we've got USA, and potentially a a very high-profile 2022 NHL draft-eligible player. This one from Europe, who uh, will be here in Edmonton, so uh, tentatively scheduled uh, to speak with him early in the week. Uh, And if it all happens as planned, uh, the show might actually come out a little bit earlier in the week, like midweek, because with uh, Christmas Eve and uh, Christmas, Right at the tail end, I think I'm going to try to push the uh, the episode's release a little bit earlier in the week. And then I'm going to be taken uh, probably until January 2nd off uh, from doing the show. I'm going to try to get to some World Junior uh, games as much as I can. I might be able to get a day pass here and there, from what I'm told. But a general pass to the uh, press box, uh, not available for the Pipeline show this year, which is disappointing. But uh, hey, that's the way it goes. Uh, but we got one more show to get to, and it's a big one next week here on the program. But hey, thanks to everyone who has signed up here lately uh, to be a patron at patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. I really, sincerely, really, really appreciate it. And i f- complete 100% honest when I say if it wasn't for the patrons, I wouldn't be able to do the show. Uh, so I, I really, really appreciate your support. I've said it many times, you keep the lights on here, and uh, there's uh, a lot of truth to that. So uh, thank you, thank you very much. If you haven't become a patron yet, but you're wondering if it's for you, hey, it's uh, a couple of bucks a month, or you can pay annually and get 10% off of that, so like 20 bucks a year. And to get early access to all the interviews, if that sounds like something that uh, you'd be interested in, go to patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. All right, until next week, everybody, get out and watch some junior college hockey, if you can remembering to be kind and uh, compassionate to those around you because it's a a stressful time of year for a lot of people and there is still a little thing out there called covid take care everybody and we will talk to you next week here on the pipeline show brought to you by will hawk beef jerky until then i'm gee flaming see ya